This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. And out of part two of our podcast with my great friend Graham McNeish, a man who has become a notable creator of television and video documentaries on a wide range of subjects, particularly racing and sport. Shad, you've produced and released dozens of wonderful video docos. I think the story of Tullock was one of your first and remains one of your personal favourites. Yes, it is, Tappy, I must confess. Um, I can remember Dad taking me out to see Tullock at Randwick um, and he got beaten by Sharpley. And I was disappointed. He had me on his shoulders, and we went specific went specifically to see to see Tullock. But nonetheless, um, I used to you know, conjure up these pictures in my mind, listening to the radio when Tullock, whenever he was racing, and particularly that last race up in uh, Brisbane, mm. uh, the Brisbane Cup. Yeah. Sharply was in that race too, mm. and uh, he won in the cheering, and I think I cried, you know. Mm. So I became so attached to the horse at such a young age. Um, and so I always thought if I can put together a doco on Tullock and all the docos I've done, I would do so, and I'm glad I did. I had a lot of vision of Tullock. You know where I found it? Mm. Tapping? I found it. I was asked by someone at the AJC, come and have a look under the old... Um, I think they were the tea sheds or something at Randwick, where a lot of old film had been thrown in there. And in there was all these reels and reels of film. So I took them all away. Said They didn't want anything to do it. They were throwing them out. And in there, there were so many, like Doncaster's Epsons and Sydney Cups, back of the 60s. Uh, And among them was a number of races with Tolkien involved. And I had them transferred from film to tape, and I uh, put that together. Uh, the AJC helped me out with uh, part of that, and also when I produced That's Racing. Yeah. But I'm so glad I did, and it's still one of my favourites. It's a, a very emotional story, Tullock, and uh, I'm glad I put it together, and it's still one of my favourites. I still put it on time to time. Shadow, I mentioned in the introduction that you selected presenters who you felt would suit the documentary in question, and I've never forgotten your choice of a man mm-hmm. called Alwyn Kurtz yes. to do the voiceover Happy. on the Tullock video. Alwyn was a great actor. Uh, yes. He had a voice that suited Tullock's era. Yeah, well, it was. I wanted it to be as seen through the minds, say, of a grandfather showing his son and grandkids and mm. talking to them about Tullock. And he was the best. He was a big smoker, Tappy. Mm. Um, those days, you know, come into the booth and you could smoke in the booth and everything. Mm. Um, but he was a lovely man, mm. lovely man. And, and, oh, the voiceover like you, I agree, it just fitted the subject perfectly. And mm. he's, he's now gone, of course. He was well cast. Thank you. Chad, another early one was That's Racing, which provided an amazing trip down memory lane for several generations of people. Yes, it was from the start of racing. Uh, It finished up uh, in around 1996, 97. I'm not sure when. Um, But that's when I was so involved with 
Sky, I couldn't do any other docos at the time, but eventually I did. And in the end, I kept continuing. Um, but no, that's that was coupled up with things that happened at the time. You know, like um, Burnborough, uh, it was post-war and people started getting to the jitterbug and, you know, it'd show things were happening at that time. They were memorable things, particularly the war period, what was going on overseas and it had come back to the racing. And uh, I was very proud of that. That sold very well. It's still available, but it's, um, it needs... The rest of the years tacked on, if you know what I mean. Of course. So yeah. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. And then came that's rugby league, that's surfing, that's boxing. Yeah. You were able to source amazing footage, and a company called Film World were of great assistance. Yes, they had the rise to the Cine Sound movie tone, mm. news from oh decades, and uh, the lady who was owned that, Eileen Naseby. It was a wonderful friend of mine because I got to know her way back in my very early days at Channel 10. Mm. And she started that up. I'd been to the old Sydney Semivitan Library in Darling Street, Roselle, mm. uh, when I was making Cook the Legend Lives On, uh, way back in oh, about 81, I think it was. Mm. And uh, I knew I had to get some f- film. And I went down there and there was an old, old fellow who, who smoked like a chimney. And he said, yeah, and I'd always take him down a, a carton of Rothmans. <laughs> and he said, yeah, <laughs> bribing. Anyhow, he said, go in and have a look. Have a look at that. Yeah, take that. Take this. this is, no one wanted them in those days. And uh, so I got to access that library. Um, and then, of course, when Eileen took over, it was even better. We did deals on that and many other docos and material for Foxtel as well. She was wonderful, so that was great access to have over those many years, and was able to, I was been able to produce those, pardon me, documentaries with that assistance, particularly going back in in anything before the seventies. Getting away from sport, and there was a wonderful two-part special you did called "In One Lifetime," again using that. Wonderful footage uh, from film. Yes, World. we did. And you picked uh, yeah. the right voice for this one, John Laws. John Laws. Well, it was in association with a guy called Peter Sutton, who I worked with or previously worked with at Channel 10. And uh, we produced that and in conjunction with John Laws. Uh, and he, he would, when it was completed, he'd get on at about 5 to 10 on when he was on TUE. And uh, he'd say, now, the, this new documentary of mine, In One Lifetime, shows this and this, and this is the number you call to get it. Well, yeah. we didn't have enough phones to answer. Really? Um, sorry, enough people to answer the phones. Mm. And um, it took off. It really, And in the stores, we'd, um, Deirdre, my sister, we, used to help me pack the parcels and yeah. send them off to, to David Jones and Grace Brothers, or became Maya. Um, and to all this, uh, right around Australia. Mm. Uh, it was um, a big, but that was, uh, you're right, John Laws was the right voice, and he was, yeah, having him involved was the vital thing. Uh, outside of that, you know, I've, um, I remember I'd, one of my first documentaries was Pride of the League, The History of South Sydney. Mm. In 1987, we did that. Mm. 
And of course, you, you've mentioned those other ones, and there's other significant ones uh, produced in conjunction with. Yeah, Fox one of your best, Shadow. You may have forgotten it when Harold Park yeah. was sold to Mervac oh. in uh, 2010, and the historic right. venue closed down. You were commissioned by Harness Racing New South Wales yeah, to yep. produce a history of Harold Park, a century of trotting uh, in the city of Sydney, and you gave it uh, the most imaginative name, the Ribbon of Light. Yeah. Yes, that was right. I went there, obviously, on last night, um, filmed. It was like being back in its heyday where the crowd was so big on that night. I think it was about 18,000, Abby, I'm not sure. On the last night, yes. yes on the was. last night, yeah. Mm. It was, And people were taking, you know, posts out of the straight and taking them home oh, uh, for um, sentimental value. I knew a lot of the interviews that the late Brian Howard had uh, recorded over so many years, particularly through the 60s, and the races that he recorded. I bought his library in the end. You're well aware of that. Yeah. And that was very much integral um, to the making of the Dockers. Extraordinary stuff going way back to the greats. And, of course, then we went right around Australia and to New Zealand to film um, the stars of Harness Racing um, all over the years, those years and years since. So I, I, I used to love going to the trots of a Friday night. It was... You know, you go and have some Chinese and off you go to the trot. <laughs> I used to always do that. Chad, it was part of, part of the Sydney social fabric. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really was. You know, they used to get great crowds there. When I looked at the vision of that um, Caduceus um, winning the... Inter Dominion 1960. Inter-Dominion. Oh, the crowd there. Mm. I think it was up around... Do you it know was, what it was? 40,000, yeah. 50,000? No, it was fifty. 50,000. 50,000 people somehow can you imagine the Harold Park Paceway. Nobody yeah. knows how. No. And and the vision supports it. Um, but no, I loved doing that documentary. Oh, look, if I don't like the subject matter, I would not do a documentary, mate. So uh, I, love, I love what I do, and with the help of everyone as well. A catalogue of almost 200 horses will be offered for sale at the final Inglis auction of the year, the 2019 Ready to Race sale at Riverside Stables on Tuesday, October 22nd. All horses of two-year-olds, broken in and prepared by experienced horse people and presented for sale, literally ready to race. Each horse will undertake a breeze-up session, which is a gallop ending in a 200-metre sprint. Each breeze-up will be recorded, which will enable prospective buyers to get a gauge on a horse's action, size and potential ability. There'll be an additional breeze-up session this year at Eagle Farm in Brisbane on Monday, September the 23rd, and other sessions will be held at Cranbourne, September the 13th, Warwick Farm, September 20th, Taupo in New Zealand, September the 23rd, with a second session at Warwick Farm on Friday, October the 18th. The strength and quality of the English ready-to-race sale catalogue is unparalleled in Australasia. Now, two other beautiful documentaries near and dear to your heart. Again, nothing to do with sport or racing. No. 
One was called Thanks for Listening, a history of Australian radio. Yeah. It's one of my favourites. And another one called Saturday Night at the Movies. And this was inspired by your lifetime love of the old movie theatres, the old cinemas. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... Particularly going to the town, into town, looking up at the high ceilings and the uh, or the ornaments and, mm. and the chandeliers and the state theatre, the Regent Theatre, mm. which is now gone. That's a disgrace. Um, the, the the plaza where Cinerama used to be. Uh, do you remember Cinerama? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Prince Edward. Oh, the Prince Edward. Yeah, mm. I went to see one movie there. When, my auntie took me to St. James. Yeah. Um, all those theatres in Pitt Street, uh, the Liberty, um, and then the Castle Ray, the Mayfair, the Sound of Music and all that. <laughs> and the ones up near Central, I loved. Uh, the Barclay, that's where I saw Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Went back two nights later again. I'm so taken by it. And the Forum. Oh, no. And that, because our local theatres were Croydon Park, Bughouse. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, Ash, Ashfield, <laughs> yeah. Ashfield, and Kings. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, you've, cap- you've captured them all on that one, Shadow, on that documentary, yeah. Saturday Night at the Movies. Is that still yeah, available? But that's just not, just not New South. Sorry to interrupt, Tabby. Mm. That's just not Sydney, New South Wales. We went right around Australia, mm. all the country venues that were great theatres, uh, Brisbane, Melbourne, which have kept me so many of their theatres, unlike Sydney. Yeah. Um, Adelaide and Perth and Tassie. Mm. No, it was. And of course, there's one theatre up in uh, Darwin. Uh, sorry, in Broome. Mm. In Broome, it's over a hundred years old, still going. Mm. And, and it's half covered. And when there's a high tide, the water comes in. You can you just about catch fish <laughs> while you're watching the movies. <laughs> Is that one Imagine still available, that. Graham? Saturday night Sorry? at the movie. Is that one still yeah. available? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the website. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, shadowproductions.com.au. Foxtel commissioned you to produce a series called "Crime Investigations of Australia." Again, yeah. you picked the right voice, Steve Liebman. Now, initially, yeah. it was to be just a couple of episodes, but it quickly escalated. Yeah, well, Steve was. Um voiceover and the presenter of that. Um, he had just left the Today Show when uh, Walshie did the deal with him, mm. Brian Walsh, that is from Foxtel. And um, you're so right. He added so much authority to each endeavor and empathy to each and every episode. There were some horror ones. We started off with three. Then they were commissioned five more. Then eight and ten and ten. So it was 36 episodes all up. So you'll recall, Tappy, that when they, these happened, particularly crimes of the 60s, 70s, you weren't told much of actually what happened. Uh, the newspapers informed you and let you know that someone was killed, raped, tortured, but not exactly what was the story lead up and how it happened. And, of course, through the eyes of the police, um, we were able to tell those st- stories and expand on them. Um, now, very harrowing at times, I'll tell you, uh, but nonetheless, very successful. Is there any unfinished business for you, anything you wanted to do but haven't had time to do it? Um, 
No, I look, I, I keep forgetting just how many docos I've done. Uh, just people remind me. Um, the last one I've done, which uh, you're involved with, um, has only just been re- released, as you mentioned at the start of this interview. The Master's Apprentices. The Master's Apprentices, yeah. I'm very, very proud of that and thankful to everyone who was involved. I don't think there's any of the sports or or other documentaries that I've yearned to do. Mm. There probably might come along those things. I'm, look, I'm not going to retire from doing the documentaries, but they've got to be successful. I'm just... Uh, uh, it's all catching up with me a bit, as you know. So, um, no, no, I've had a wonderful time. You've been actively involved in media and documentary production for about 55 years. Now, looking back over that half century and more, who are the special people who've touched your heart or influenced your career? The major players in the life of Graham McNeese. Well, I'd start off with my mum, my late mum. Um, my dad wasn't keen on me leaving the, the butcher's business at all. I, I think I was a disappointment to dad. But mum, on the other hand, encouraged me. She really did all those years, and, and she took a great deal of pride in any documentary or anything that was said about me um, publicly in a positive manner. Frank Kennedy and the family. Mm. They are my second family, as I've already mentioned. But uh, Frank spearheaded my start into into race commentating and getting into the business, so to speak. Um, Tom Barnett at Channel 10, yeah. he hired me. He was supportive of me all the way through and is still supportive of me today, I'd have to say. And Brian Walsh from Foxtel. Um even from the days when we were both at Channel 10 uh, until he took up his role more than 20 years ago at Foxtel uh, and he and the powers to be at Foxtel have commissioned all these documentaries that were produced, we've produced for, uh, for Foxtel. And as you, Tappy, you have been the, one of the great supports of my life and encouraging uh, friends so... Um, I'm deeply grateful uh, to you for all that. And they're, you know, they're just some of the people that um, I can never think enough. Do you have any regrets that you didn't fully pursue a career in race calling? No, Tappy. I enjoyed those days uh, back in the 70s, early 80s, and calling the Greyhounds at Harold Park uh, to the mid-80s. Yeah, enjoyed them immensely. Uh, but um, I w- wouldn't call myself ever uh, an A-grade race caller. And so I think I found my niche in doing documentaries and um, my work at uh, Superstation slash Sky Channel over all those years. I still treasure those to this very day, still in, uh, employed by Sky on an advisory capacity. But now it's been a wonderful ride. Well, you're an A-grade bloke and you're an A-grade friend. And uh, I'm just wondering about something you told me recently. 
Yeah. Only a few weeks ago, when you'd completed your latest doco, The Master's Apprentices, you said, this is the last. <laughs> this is my swan song. Now, I can remember you telling me the same thing four documentaries back. <laughs> yeah. How true, Tappy. How true. So um, I'm not going to put the end of it on now. So You're right. Yep. I'll still keep going. Well, the good Lord lets me do so. Lovely to have you on the podcast, Shadow. Pleasure, Tappy. Absolute pleasure. You've got more things out of me today um, <laughs> than I've ever told anyone. <laughs> well, that's good. That was yeah. my job uh, on, a, on a most pleasant and uh, interesting and informative, a fascinating podcast interview with the man they call the Shadow. And this podcast has been produced by Supernova Sound. The stallion representation at the English Ready to Race sale on October the 22nd is a who's who of the breeding industry. Better than ready, Nakoni, Brazen Bow, Not a Single Doubt, Deep Field, Rubik, Dundeal and Shooting to Win. And we've just scratched the surface. Add to that... Hinch and Brook, So You Think, Holy Roman Emperor, Spirit of Boom, I Am Invincible, Starcraft, Medagliadoro, Tavistock, More Than Ready, Written Tycoon, No Nay Never, and Zoostar. Inglis again team up with Racing New South Wales by presenting the sale three days after the Everest. The timing will ensure the attention of world buyers who'll be focused on Sydney at Everest time. October 22nd is the date for the English Ready to Race sale at Riverside.